The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome into the midweek edition. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbold. And uh, we are uh, ready to talk some ball and uh, turn that page and uh, get some insight from uh, a black shirt. We will welcome in Jay Moore around 5.30 or so. Big Ten Buffet time with Rick Pizzo. Mr. Rick is back in hour two. And it's a Babbers Wednesday. Mike Babcock, all things Nebraska. Excited to get his take on things Saturday of past, Saturday uh, around the quarter, the sellout streak, all all things big red. And I know some of you are, you're trying. God love you. You're trying to stay with it. You're trying to stay engaged. You're trying to stay where your thoughts can be positive about Nebraska football after a loss. And uh, we'll take some thoughts and calls from you as well today. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. can email chris at hailvarsity.com and uh, find us on Twitter. Give us a follow, Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. Already have Shane and Julie chiming in on the email. They're out of Columbus. They hear us on News Talk 900. The food and the beer was superb in Champagne. Anyone know if we're favored against Fordham? Heard seats were 12 bucks. Question for the room. Can T.O. and Bill Snyder come back and coach? Just kidding, maybe. Hope someday we can be as good as our Nebraska and Iowa State brethren. Also someday be as good as Northwestern Minnesota and Wisconsin. The Big Ten were a fish aquarium. We would see the team logos swimming around, and our logos that big, I had one of these, the big black sucker fish <laughs> that's at the bottom. Do you ever have an aquarium? Yeah. Um, They're overrated, and they stink up your living room. They, they really stink it up, and the problem was, was I'm not sure if it was something we were doing wrong, but all our fish ended up dying like much faster than the shelf life they, they should have lived to. Like, did you... Did you just spend a ton of money for like the salt water you know no like, see no no we went we, so we, we went simplicity like fish we went simplicity we wanted like betas. the small little like lame fish okay and they'd all end up dying like way too fast so eventually we just gave it up uh because we had like we had like one of the bigger fish tanks well, sure I had, yeah. a big, I had a giant fish tank in college the house we rented and above it was my michael jordan wings poster which was sweet and and yeah, we had fish, and it just kind of brought brought the funk unnecessarily. We should have probably cleaned it a little more. Now you go to like the doctor's office, and and he's got the exotic fifteen different color Amazon fish, right? The saltwater deal. Those are sweet. Oh, but no. if one of those things die on you, I mean, it's 
you're out probably like 70 bucks. See, I'm not sure what this says about me and my brother, um, but my sister also has a fish tank, okay. and her fish do just fine. So it's you two. I mean, we fed the fish. We we thought we did pretty well, and nah, those things those things died off way too quick. My uh, my cousin Nate, he had a, a, a piranha named Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> what did he named his fish? Well, it was I'm, named I'm, after Daryl Strawberry. Okay, and, and, and he he Daryl just kept growing and growing, and then someday one day Daryl had to go goodbye because, I mean, he was growing as big as the tank. But I remember feeding Daryl back in the day. Uh, my older cousin had him. Uh, there's Daryl. Just wave at him, and the threat was: if you're if you're bad, we're going to stick your hand in the piranha tank. <laughs> so that was that was no good. I hate computers. Yeah, just those autoplay tabs just are, are the worst. Uh-huh. Well, we are on. I I don't want to go to your pool party. There we go. <laughs> Football. We're back. All right. So let's dive into a, a couple of different things. Uh, one. With Nebraska football, uh, where are you at as a fan right now? Uh, we, we know that the sellout streak's been ex- extended. Uh, we know the tickets have been snatched up. And from a roll call standpoint, are you going? Are you staying? Are you trying to move your tickets? I, I'd love kind of a a pulse. Okay, I need to just mute this. If you right, if you right click the tab, you should be able to mute. I, I'm the just site. gonna I'm just gonna mute the speakers. That works there too. We go. But when it comes to to, to Nebraska and Fordham. You're going to go. I think a lot of you will go because it's going to be great weather, first time in forever. You're going to be back, and hopefully it's it's a it's a yes, right? Hopefully it's a win. It should be a win for Nebraska. But when it comes to to Nebraska events, you're just mad right now, and that's that's the emails, that's the tweets, that's the the frustration. You're mad not that you ju- not that you just lost, but how you lost, right? And and that is something that you're having a hard time getting over and, and totally get it, man. I mean, I, I don't like sounding like a, a knucklehead saying, oh, yep, seven, eight wins, sure. Uh, to that point, to the bigger picture, where are you at? Let's play a little buy and sell. Let's play a little buy and sell real quick. From a Nebraska standpoint, are you buying or selling or holding on, on getting to the bowl season, getting to six wins? I thought Illinois was viciously important, okay, to get to six wins. And if you can't beat Illinois, man, here's what I don't know, and here's what I wonder. I absolutely think the team can get coached better. I think the team can play better. I think they can get better. And and maybe maybe part of their problem isn't their physical ability, because I think Zach Duvall... And, and the strength and conditioning crew have done a remarkable job. I think the investment from the kids have been phenomenal. But when it comes to, to putting it together on the field, uh, between their ears, right? I mean, there's just got to be some awareness. There's just got to be some, some football IQ. And you can coach and rep all that, but it still has to, to perform and produce on the field. And, and are, are guys going to play smarter, Okay, our four-year guy is going to play smarter for you, and no is the answer against Illinois. So if you lose to Illinois, does that automatically mean you're going to lose to Michigan State? Right, kind of same teams. You've got a good coach in Mel Tucker with defense. You've got Pat Fitzgerald who makes a lot of chicken salad 
even when he's reloading, some part of that football team is going to be a strength, and it's going to be really hard to beat them. Michigan, Minnesota, Purdue. I mean, you, do you, I, I can look. Like, you're only sure win on the schedule right now based off of Illinois is, is this weekend. Now, you can win some coin flip games, but Nebraska's track record with Coach Frost is they're not going to win the coin flip games. Michigan State, coin flip. Northwestern, coin flip. Uh, Michigan, their favorite. Minnesota, we'll see how good Minnesota is. See what they look like against Ohio State. Whole new bunch of Buckeyes that should be good to go. But that that's an assumption. That place is going to be rocking, and P.J. Fleck has some, some talent back. Uh, stranger things can happen in the season opener. Purdue, a lot like Nebraska. Coin flip, probably, even though it's in Lincoln. No comment on Oklahoma or Ohio State. And then you end with Wisconsin and Iowa. I mean, you, you just get different looks from Nebraska throughout the Frost era. They can play really well, but, but ultimately there's going to be a mistake made by Nebraska that cost them the football game. And I don't know that that's going to change. And quite honestly, I don't think they can overcome. So I have gone from buying stock in going to a going to postseason to I don't know, man. It's not that they can't do it, but it's be it'd be really surprising if they get to six wins or more. They needed that first one. Let's go to the phones real quick. Chris with us here on Hale Varsity. Chris, thanks for calling. Go ahead. Schmitty. Hey guys. What's up, man? Um so I'm selling. I'm out. I'm done. Like I this is the uh <laughs> I don't necessarily. I'm not calling them for you know for the firing and of all that good stuff. I, but um, I'm just I'm done. I can't I can't continue to watch bad football, and you know so that's why I what I put into the game on Saturday was is this is anything going to change? And it didn't change. So for me, I'm I'm done. I'm out. I'm not watching any. I'm not going to games. I'm not doing anything because it's just it hurts too bad. And and that's it's as the apathy as a fan base is an awful place to be. So let me ask I mean, you this: with with your buddies and you played. I mean, you you were a walk on at Nebraska, and we go back a ways, Chris. I'm. Have you ever felt apathetic before? Um, Riley era, Bo era. I, I mean, no, because I I felt the anger. You know, okay. I mean, obviously there was a lot of anger. In, when they let Coach Solich go, you know, that was – Frank was my guy. Like, he was my coach. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that one stung a lot. So, there was some disconnect through Callahan's era. Um, Bo brought me back because there was some fire, and I thought we played physical. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, Coach Riley was – was not – that was kind of a shock hire mm-hmm. to me, I guess. So, I never really – there was no apathy there just because I never felt connected. But – Man, when they brought Scott back in, it was like, this is it. And now it's just all signs point to, I don't think that this is it. I mean, I, I, yeah, it's, I, it clearly it isn't because I don't know what to blame. Is it a curse? Is it the fact that they can't coach? I have no idea where to, you know, to point the finger. But at this point, I don't really care. I'm just not going to invest any of my time you know, or resources or emotions into it any longer right now. So. Well, Chris, I hope you find something Saturday, brother, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see how things shake out. Appreciate your uh, your time, man. Thanks for the phone call. Yep. 
Thank you, Jenny. See you, bud. That's uh, Chris. You can join us at 466-377-6800-825-5865. So has that, that anger turned into don't care? Check out. I, I'm not promoting that. I, I hope that does not happen. But you've had enough kicks to the junk, football ripped away from you, a la Charlie Brown. Over the years, I'm, I'm not blaming anybody who finds something else to do on Saturday. I know where we'll be. We'll be getting the, the morning show going at 7 a.m. in the rail yard. I know we'll be doing post game. I, I, as bad as Saturday was, it's it's still football. It's still Nebraska football, and in that's that's the million dollar question: Why, isn't it? Why is it like this? And there's a hundred different answers. Why is the quarterback not playing like he's a freshman? Why, why is the, the offensive line not doing their thing to help the run game? Why is the wide receiving core that's supposed to be special or, or really talented, why are some guys that are game breakers not seeing the field more? Why is there zero separation? Why uh, every game is there three or four Game-changing plays, Elijah, that turn momentum, turn the tide of the game, and you have three or four different contributions that that help you lose a one-score game, and it's a thousand percent someone not doing it to you; it's you doing it to yourself, and it's been ongoing. and And there's a lot of theories out there to why, and it might be between their ears uh, when it comes to. To, to players it may be uh, a coach that was so good at his previous stop and as a coordinator that guy didn't have a lot of a lot of experience in close ball games right I mean Oregon wasn't putting a two-minute drill together very often in the fourth quarter didn't have to they're up by 30 Central Florida I know they went six and seven that first year but in year two man they were something special and I think they were probably a power five team playing a bunch of group of fives Aside from Auburn, obviously, so there's some some reason there. But uh, mailbag with Stuart Mandel uh, from the Athletic, and you had a, a Nebraska fan write in Elijah, and you know the, he's already kind of moving on to how attractive is the Nebraska job? Kind of a defeatist email to Stuart Mandel. Can Nebraska get anybody if they've got to make that tough call at some point and, and change coaches? And, and Stewart made a lot of good points about Nebraska still is an attractive job. Nebraska is a place you can still win. It's just not – and I, and I think your, your, your demand, your standard as a fan, I don't – you all want national championships and totally get it. But I, I think you'd, you'd probably uh, – maybe give up that firstborn for for a 10 win season uh, or a 10 and 2. I mean let, let's 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 get to 7 8 9 wins first and then build on that. Uh that that's where they're at honestly and and it's going to be real tough. They can get better, they can get some confidence, maybe Fordham and in Buffalo uh whip them into shape. They can get better. They're good kids, they're talented players. They need to be coached better and see where, where things shake out with Oklahoma. But there's opportunity. You know, what do they do with it is, is the question. And it comes kind of comes back to why. And biggest shock to the system. And, you know, you are what your history tells you you are. But I would count me in the group that, that expected crazily enough clean football last Saturday. <laughs> right? I mean, you just, you, you just like, oh, my God. 
That's how it's going. And I hate to just beat this dead horse. It's glue now. But it's, it's, it's a reality as you look towards Saturday and beyond as we kind of try and handicap the rest of the year. And, and Chris, there's a lot of Nebraska fans like Chris, Elijah, that are just like, out. That guy played for four years for well, but my on the other side of things, uh, there's talent within this program. I think you can see that from the outside. You can see it when they watch the games. Is it's coming down to them shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, I mean, you can see what Bo Pelini, Bo Pelini took a team with talent, and he was instantly turning them into a nine and four team. I'm not saying that's the trajectory for this Nebraska football team, uh, but it's not a lost cause. Uh, I've become apathetic. Maybe I become apathetic based on how the results come this year. We'll see. That's to be determined. Uh, but it's not like the Husker football team is a lost cause. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know that. I don't know that everyone's checked out yet. If a um, couple of weeks yet to to get right, we'll take more of your calls. We'll get to Mike Babcock. Rick Pizzo, Jay Moore, Hail Varsity, rolling forward on a Wednesday. We are presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Pizzo's on the way next hour. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. It's Hail Varsity Radio. More of your calls, 46637-76. Emails, chris at hailvarsity.com. Mike Babcock shortly. Jason's been hanging on. Jason, thanks for your patience. Go ahead, dude. Schmitty, your loyal sidekick, needs to use a little less herbal essences. I was giving him a hard time off air. Uh, just just the know. old velvet hammer, huh? <laughs> you know, we've got so much talent. That just makes me feel so great. You know, everybody, talent, talent, all the recruiting analysts, all the Omaha Lincoln media. Oh, yeah, luckily we've got talent. Boy, Minnesota showed us what's up with our talent when they left 33 guys up in Minneapolis-St. Paul last year. And just embarrassed us, you know. They didn't completely obliterate us on the scoreboard, but they, you know, with 33 players at home, they still pushed us around. Illinois came in and said, oh, so you guys are a blue blood? What's that? Last year. And then they did it again this year, you know. I mean, I'm glad we have talent. We should. we got 900 and some wins. we got nine Outland trophies, three Heismans, five national titles, a couple of close call, almost national titles. I hope we have a, a little bit of talent at Tenth and Vine. I mean, that's great, but I want football players at this point. I don't care about talent. I know that's a component, and I know I'm whitewashing it, but, but Elijah, I am so sick of talent. We've had more talent than Wisconsin and Iowa in the recruiting ranking year after year after year. Maybe not this year, but for the last 10 or 15 years, we're always ahead of them. We're in the 20s. They're 39th or 40th or 28th and we're 20th. So it comes down, Jason, to let me jump in to some development with that talent or putting the talent together and in position to win. I mean, it's 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 a multifaceted discussion, but you need players to win clearly. And on paper, you've had that, but you've not been able to, to get that result. And part of that talent needs to be better when it comes to to making plays and and making some. Uh, decisions to, to not try and, and make a play. So it, it's 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 a vicious cycle and circle right now of, again, back to that central question, why? Why is this going sideways like it is? Well, and if you had to sum up one thing, we, you know, Frost is a good guy, great player, great family. You know, I wish him and his family well, but he's just, at Nebraska, he's not a good football coach. He is trying. He means well. But it's clear, if, if we had a good football coach here, it wouldn't take five years. It would take mm-hmm. a couple of years to get things righted, and we'd feel like things are going in the right direction. 
So no. are you are you, so are you ejecting or not on well, on 2021? I'm not ejecting, but I've been off the frost bandwagon ever since Minnesota pushed us around last year. I mean, that was rock bottom. He probably should have been fired after the game. You know, wow. good luck. We love you, Frost, but you can't lose to a Minnesota team 33 down when the whole state of Nebraska for two or three years was making fun of the Minnesota head coach every chance we got. Yep. No, you got you to be better against uh, most of your foes in the West, but we'll see how Saturday looks. Jason, thanks for thanks, the call, buddy. brother. Appreciate it. Yep, see you, bud. Yep, more calls. Uh, we'll get to those 466-3776, and uh, we'll check in with Mike Babcock. Dan tweets in, this fan base, me included, me included, <laughs> is addicted to hope. If we curb stomp these next two, show respect against OU, then beat Michigan State, uh, there'll be a, a bowl game for, va- for for winter vacation. Very true, Dan. If, 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 and that hope addiction, very real. Because you, you just quite, you can't quite walk away from the the possibility. And I just want like, to get back to Jason's point. I guess I'm saying there's talent on the field because I'm frustrated seeing these guys going to the NFL and, and doing well for themselves in the NFL. Like under Mike Riley, there wasn't even guys going off to the NFL. Um, I mean, with the exception of guys that were left over from the Pliny years. Um, but now I'm seeing guys that are going off to the NFL and doing well. But why aren't they playing well at Nebraska? It's frustrating. No, oh, completely. We bring in Mike Babcock, historian, author, Hall of Famer, uh, at MD Babs on Twitter, Hail Varsity Magazine, HailVarsity.com. Babbers were, were trying to move past Illinois, and it's still just kind of perplexing as to what happened with Nebraska. Well, we know what happened. They had self-inflicted wounds. As long as you've covered football, how and why? Can you answer the why? Why is it still happening? Uh, no, I... I can't. If if I could answer that, I probably would have a job coaching, maybe. I don't know. Um, Babbers, I think you'd be a sweet coach, man. <laughs> yeah, all right. You know, it, it, it's a little bit like we talked about last week, Smitty. I mean, control the things you can control. Nebraska didn't do that. Um, you know, all the things that were talked about in fall camp and in the spring, you know, cutting down on the turnovers, the critical penalties, those kinds of things, they just resurfaced again. I mean, it was like the same uh, the same story again. And, uh, you know, that's the thing, I guess, that's frustrating to people is that uh, we identified or there were things that were identified that needed to be corrected um, and acknowledged that they needed to be corrected and acknowledged that that's what was being worked on. But then you get into the game and the same things happen. And that's the thing that uh, I think is so frustrating. Mike Babcock's with us. HailVarsity.com and Magazine at MD Babs on Twitter. Mike, would we talk about rhythm and play calling and Adrian and, and skill guys and offensive line? Were you surprised at, at the game plan, the, the adjustment or, or lack thereof, or the, the turnaround time on adjustment? And quite frankly, production from the offensive line. Did you think it'd be difficult, or did you did you, did you kind of say early on, okay, this ain't going well? Well, no, I, I still think that on some level, and this is why I'm not a coach, but you have to commit to something, and you have to stay with it, and you have to have patience. And, and I know that Nebraska made some mistakes and got it put itself in a difficult situation and maybe couldn't have the patience that you needed, but I still think that that's the thing that ultimately 
you're the one that needs to be imposing your will on the other team, um, not being concerned about, well, they're in a different defense than we prepared for. Um, let them respond to you, what you're doing. Um, have patience and be committed to what you're trying to do. And, I, you know, I don't always see that. Um, and, you know, we're right back to Adrian Martinez is the leading rusher again. Mm-hmm. He had the most carries. And I think he's most effective when he's moving. You know, I don't know. He's not a drop-back passer in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, he needs to be moving. Um, but I think you've got to figure out somehow to establish some kind of a running game. And uh, I just I didn't see it. You know, Seven Morrison was a running back that got a lot of – people were talking about him a lot in the in fall camp. He didn't play. Um Gabe Irvin Jr. started. Uh, what did he get, 12 carries? Marquis Stepp came in. He carried three times, had a nice reception, scored a touchdown on one of his carries, and we didn't see him again. Um, it's it, an odd it, rotation, to say the least. Yeah, you got to commit to something and, and make the other team respond to you. Mike, after four years of Scott Frost, do, do you see an offensive identity that has been – consistent aside from Scott Frost trying to go fast um, they've said they're going to try to commit to running the ball and they haven't done that uh, they said they've tried to commit to going fast and well I don't see much speed on that offense this year uh, from what I saw in that Illinois game is, is there an offensive identity um, in my opinion no there isn't you know that Nebraska hasn't committed anything and and you're right the the up-tempo thing they've backed off that you know that they that's not uh, one of the one of the pieces right now, but uh, yeah, I think you have to establish an identity, commit to it, and uh, be patient and stay with it, and and wear the other team down if you can. But you know, maybe they're not at that point. Maybe they don't have the players that can do that. You know, I in my mind they did. You know, that was my thought. But then I see what happens uh, at Illinois, and I start to wonder. Mike, uh, a thought here on the sellout streak being extended. What's the sellout streak mean to you? Is it is is it vitally important to this program, or is it something that that is is maybe not as important anymore? I mean, how do you how do you tackle that? You know, uh, we probably talked about this too. I mean, there was always this this idea that you know at some point boosters would step in and buy up the unused tickets and keep that thing going. I, I think. On some level, Nebraska looks at it, and you know that's part of, you know that's the one thing that we still have, you know that that carries over. We're not winning championships and that sort of thing. We don't have consistent national relevance, but we do have the sellout streak. But you know, in the whole scheme of things, no, I don't think that's I don't think that's critical because, you know, as we've seen as well, sellout streak doesn't mean capacity crowds. Mm-hmm. Um, the tickets are all sold, but the but the seats aren't filled, so. Um, no, I, I don't think that's as important as as, uh, as maybe some people do. But um, you know, it's going to continue for at least for one more week. And when you get into Big Ten play, you know, probably you got a little better chance of selling out. So maybe Buffalo is the one where donors have to step into and buy up tickets. You know, and and I love that underserved youth are, and and their families are getting to go. That's that's yeah. awesome. Introduce a, a, a new. A new fan to, to Nebraska football, and 
there's a lot of folks that don't get a chance to see and, and now they have that opportunity. So last thought here, Babbers, as we, we talk Nebraska moving forward here, you know, Elijah and I were kind of toying with this. We'll get into it a little more next segment, but just from a, from a play calling standpoint, um, there was the collaboration and then just utter lack of preparedness with, with the play caller. And Scott was, was doing that. Didn't sound to me like the, the collaboration cut any corners on prep and, uh, you can have a bad day as a coach and as a play caller, but it just didn't look like there was much prep there. And, you know, is that something Scott should con- should consider? Or would you consider it if you're in Scott's shoes? I should ask it that way uh, about maybe delegating a little more. Well, you know, I think so. I, I think that's one of the things that was difficult for Frank Solich. He tried to do the same thing that Tom Osborne did. You know, Tom was his own offensive coordinator the entire time he was a coach. That was un- he was unique. You know, it's difficult to do that and to take care of all the other things that you have to take care of. So from that standpoint, I would say yes. I think the delegation of responsibility is an important thing. What's coming up with you, Babbers, as far as uh, the website and magazine, partner? Well, uh, we got Tom's Time is back on the website, and, uh, you know, now we're looking forward to the next issue of the magazine, which was going to deal with the sellout streak. But since it's going to continue, I think we'll probably – uh, move in a little bit different direction, maybe uh, something to do with uh, Oklahoma, Nebraska. Well, that's uh, around the corner. I can't wait for Norman. I, I'm not sure many folks in Nebraska are uttering that, but I can't wait to go down to to Norman and see. Uh, let's see if Nebraska is over 500 as they head into Norman. But uh, Fordham coming to town, the, the fighting Vin Scully's, and then Buffalo. Babbers, love your takes. Thanks for the time. Appreciate you joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Mike Babcock with us at MD Babs on Twitter is where you find him and uh, read him with Hale Varsity Magazine. HaleVarsity.com, 855-3-HUSKER is where you subscribe. HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe digital and magazine. Uh, what a great platform with our friends from Herdat. Uh, our one continues on with Hale Varsity. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Mike Babcock. More of your calls and, and emails, and can also uh, give us a, a tweet at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence. Tackled a lot. It's been a, been a heavy first 40 minutes. 800-825-5865-466-3776. And uh, when we talk about the sellout streak, we talk about uh, Nebraska football. We talk about, you know, are you, uh, A, are you checked out? Did, did, did Saturday do it with your outlook on the season? Or are you still uh, optimistic in hoping the, the things and feel like the right things will get turned around. They'll, they'll get it fixed. And just the mood and the vibe and the feedback since, since Saturday to now has been uh, pretty dejected, real dejected uh, with Nebraska fans. And I, and I get that because you're expecting to, to see and be something different. But uh, the big thing with me, when we look at Saturday, and just the vibe, and and I'm excited for it. I know it's an eleven o'clock kickoff. I know it's not the a name opponent, but you get to go back to the ball game. You get to go back to a full stadium. You get to go back in, in gorgeous, not suppressive weather. 
And uh, I, I don't know about you, but I missed fans last year. We all did miss being able to go. So there's that aspect of it. And I want to see the team get better. And, and you should get better. You should look awesome after a week of anger. But that, that anger is also going to keep some people out of the stadium this week. And you've been angry, man. You've been angry after after ball games. And and the the most angry like recently for for my family, they've been mad about a handful of games and I think back to you know some watch parties I've been at, the most angry you've been after a loss, okay? And and I think growing up just around my 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 family and folks whenever Oklahoma would steal one from you, clearly, right? Or you're not used to, to being inept against uh, the Miamis and Florida States. The New Year's Day always would suck, like especially those seven straight years of losing bowl games. Uh, and then there's you know the Colorado era where they were really tough to beat. But recent memory, just being around some friends that, that love Nebraska football, the A&M game, right? The, the 9-6 to six did everything but shut them out. That, that, was, that was robbery. The, the Texas game in, in Jerry World with Sue doing everything but blocking a kick, and he's still upset about that. Those are two of the, the latest. But this is different, right? This is a game you felt like Nebraska got jobbed or hosed when we talk about A&M or, or Texas. And then you flip it around to, oh, Nebraska made a lot of mistakes. Nebraska had a miscue or two against an Iowa. Nebraska had uh, a special teams blunder against a Wisconsin. And now there's Illinois. This may be top five when it comes to negative, frustrated, angry fan reaction. And I don't know if anger, anger is the right word for this week as, as much as dejected. is Nebraska fans, after the, the hope that was placed into Scott Frost four years ago and the and what's been coming out of the the Nebraska coaching staff over the past four years was that Nebraska is supposed to be better come year four, and they didn't look any better than in the past three years in that game against Illinois. I mean, whenever I think back to to games personally where I was angry afterwards, I think back to that game in Wisconsin in the snow where uh, Melvin Gordon rushed for 400 yards on Nebraska. You were just embarrassed. Yeah. There was no no answer for Melvin in the snow. By the way, you're up 17-3 to three in that game. End of yeah. the first quarter. Yeah, because the game started out so well, and you go, oh, Nebraska's finally going to go into Camp Randall and win one. And then Melvin Gordon with his, what, five 60-yard rushing touchdowns or whatever it was. 408. Yeah, yeah. It was terrible, terrible. Um, and I don't know if anger is the right word for this Illinois game as much as it is just... Uh, embarrassed is up there, dejected is up there. Uh, it just feels like it's not getting any better and it's not going to get any better. Hopeless. Hopeless might be the word. That it just feels like this coaching staff and what they're trying to do here is hopeless. I don't, I don't feel hopeless, but I don't feel confident. I just don't. I'm, I'm closer to, to hopeless than confident. No, I, I'm not confident, but I'm not at hopeless. All right. Somebody needs to get us a six pack and give us a hug. Right. That's that's how the first first hour's gone, and and life's gonna be okay. I I get it, but man, you're just so you're disgusted. You're disgusted with that, and they can do something about it. That's the good news. This isn't the last game of the season. This isn't saying peace out to a bowl game opportunity. Right. I think there's an. I hope. I hope there's enough moxie with this football team 
that the kids themselves will look in the mirror and say we're better than that, we're smarter than that, that they respond. And, and again, Fordham, Buffalo, you should respond. But are you able to gather and go out, play a hard, cl- good, clean game against Oklahoma? Even if you get beat by 30, I don't care. I do not care what the score looks like against Oklahoma. No, that's that's crazy to say. But go play hard. I mean, people were feeling that way after the Ohio State game last year where you came out and you played a good half. Uh, Nebraska, I think, played up to their level in that Ohio State game last year, and you still lost by 20, but I don't think Nebraska fans were dejected by that loss. You just went, that's a damn good Ohio State team we just lost to. Yeah, absolutely, but man, what, what, what did Nebraska in from keeping that even more respectable? Turnovers, mm-hmm. no pass rush, like things that, they're supposed to be better at now, and and they're not uh, from a from a taking care of yourself standpoint, and that's that's the maddening part. Let's go to the NFL here for for a second, and uh, we talk about guys that that are former MVP winners, and that's hard to do. But Cam getting the old heave ho, and uh, it's 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 the old Mac Jones show. I'm I'm a little bit surprised uh, that New England cut Cam just a, a little bit because the guy is a former MVP and I know New England wasn't Brady great last year, but I I would say this I think it's really hard to keep Cam Newton and his personality around if he's not starting. Mm-hmm. I he is the last guy in the world I ever see as being able to take a backup job when he still feels he has ability left. And uh, vaccination status, uh, Belichick shut that notion down that, that his vaccination status played a role in him getting cut. I don't know that that would pass legal status, but I honestly, behind closed doors, yeah, Cam, we need you to get the shot. No? Okay, clean your locker up. Well, I, I see it less about that, and I see it much more of you've got a rookie quarterback who really did outplay Cam through training camp and through preseason by accounts out of New England and, and by what I've seen on the film in preseason, and I don't think you want a guy who's you've a former league MVP with a, a big personality thrower. breathing down the neck. Like uh, You don't want to hear what Cam Newton's going to be saying on social tweeting. media or tweeting or, or whatever he could yeah, be saying whenever the he's old on distraction. the bench. Yes. It's the old, absolute, absolutely, it's a distraction. He's the last guy you can keep in a locker room if he's not getting his way, mm-hmm. period. And what happens when Mac Jones has a bad game? You don't want Cam Taylor or Cam Newton taken to taking to Twitter, no, or or just disrupting the locker. And why didn't you put me in? I mean, exactly. We'll see. I, I don't know that he's done though, but he is fascinating because he's still really talented and a high level athlete. We'll wind down hour one next. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, Hale Varsity Radio, Hour 1, Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Network, Big Ten Buffet. Rick was in Champagne. Rick will be here for Buffalo. And uh, we'll get his take on uh, a slew of games, man. You got Iowa hosting Indiana. You got Wisconsin, Penn State. That's just going to be monster. And then don't forget, tomorrow night's going to be sneaky good with uh, Minnesota hosting Ohio State. Can you root for either one? Neither can win. The the Buckeye upset 
by Minnesota. Can you stomach that if it's the uh, the, the boat rower who does it? I don't know. Let's be honest. Yes. Because it's yeah. Ohio State? It, 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 Is yeah. that a danger game? Do you think for Ohio State, do you expect them to go, go roll in and win by 17? Well, they, they still have an unproven quarterback, and all accounts are. Is this guy, is, oh, they just, he's they the next reload? big thing. He's going to be right. great. But, but did you see what happened to Spencer Rattler at the beginning of last season for Oklahoma? He, I mean, he finished his year super strong. Don't get me wrong. But at the beginning of last year, Spencer Rattler uh, was was young. I, I don't even want to say he, he was like – I mean, he was – average to bad I mean he was making the, the type of mistakes that whenever a rookie makes him in the NFL you go oh he's making rookie mistakes he was making those freshman mistakes for Oklahoma last year and you got to expect those even with a, a five-star talented quarterback like you're going to have at Ohio State uh, so we'll see it's it's tough that he's going to have to be going up against a, a big 10 team I'm still banking that the, the Buckeyes are going to win with that wide receiver core but um, I'm not going to say I'm going to root for Minnesota uh, but I wouldn't be happy I wouldn't be mad if they won it's interesting uh, th- th- that'll be on Fox and uh, Buckeyes roll in, man. I mean, that's uh, it's a big ball game. It's a big ball game, big opener. So the win predictor here, uh, the line's fourteen. We may have to do an early stake at a beer. Early and er- well, yeah, we got to do it tomorrow. Well, okay, what are the other lines in the Big Ten? There's, I mean, what's what's the line in the uh, the Wisconsin Penn State? Do we have that one pulled up? Uh, I think it's five and a half. Probably towards Wisconsin, I assume. I would, I would think, because they're they're right next to each other. I think Iowa's favored by three over Indiana. Uh, yeah, I did see that one. So, reminder to buckle up, uh, friends. Nearly seventy percent of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska, not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury by up to sixty percent. Your best defense in any crash. Buckling up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. We'll have quite a a Friday forecast for you. We want to see you down at the single barrel. Incredible food, steaks, pork chops, drinks. I mean, fun to be had by all. The single barrel now inside the graduate, the old single barrel just to the south of of uh, the, the embassy. Rosie's in there now. But the single barrel now inside the graduate hotel. We were back for Roadshow Friday's. At the graduate, we want to see you down. We're down there four to six. Cranach is making the road trip down, so he'll be with me on Friday afternoon, four to six, in the graduate. And uh, Single Barrel uh, is incredible. Amazing food. You are going to love it. We want to see you down there four to six. Get dinner, get a drink, enjoy, and uh, get the, the old golf swing dusted off with that top, top golf uh, suites they have down there. So... Uh, inside the graduate at the single barrel where we're going to be Friday with a Hale Varsity Roadshow 4-6. to six. Then Elijah Herbal will clearly not wear his Southeast Knights jersey to do uh, Southeast and Southwest. Uh, I, I think I come from a, a unique perspective having played in the game, though. That's a, that's a big no. one for both those schools, and I'm really looking forward to that one. Should be a, should be a fun game, Southeast with that, uh, with that offense, and Southwest uh, dropped a disappointing game to Gretna, but should be fun. Hour two, Be, uh, Rick Pizzo's on the way, and of course, uh, we'll check in with Jay Moore. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. 
Back into Hour 2, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It is Big Ten Buffet time. We say hi to Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Network at BTN, Rick Pizzo. Rick, it was awesome to to share a nitro coffee with you in the press box Saturday. How are you? <laughs> it was, man. It was it was great to see you in person, right? Not a while. like a Zoom yeah. meeting, <laughs> not a radio conversation. We actually got to see each other face-to-face, and... Uh, you know, it's interesting. We got to talk a little bit pregame, right, about mm. what a Nebraska win could mean, what a Nebraska loss could mean, and obviously we're talking about the latter. We are, and it was just interesting to watch that game unfold. I know you were there for the for the post game presser for for Illinois and, and also for Nebraska, and you were there covering it for the network. And I, you know, I had my thoughts going in, and I sound. I mean, I have gone Nixon tape on all of last last week's commentary and just erased or 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 torched because I, I sound like a, a fool with what I thought Nebraska would be able to do or would be good at doing now. Plenty of games left to get bad, better. I get all that. But, Rick, what were your expectations, and did Saturday shock you? Saturday didn't shock me. Listen, I'm not trying to sound like I'm the you know, smartest guy on the planet, but I told everybody and anybody that would listen that any team that slept on Illinois was going to be in a lot of And Brett Bielham has a formula. He has 17 super seniors. He has experience. Uh, I think everybody wants to say this is a terrible loss for Nebraska. It's a bad loss in the sense of the same things this game that we did all of last year to lose. Mm-hmm. But it's not a bad loss as far as the opponent that beat them. And I hope everybody understands that. Now, that being said, to listen to Scott's post-game press conference, but even more so to listen to what he said on Monday when he said that basically half of the defense game plan was gone because Illinois came out in sets that they didn't expect. Now, that to me is a little bit more troubling. If you as a staff can't figure out that they are maybe going to do something different than you expected them to do or that you saw them do in their televised spring practice, that to me is maybe more troubling in the loss itself, if that makes sense, Chris. Oh, completely. Rick Pizzo's with us, Big Ten uh, Buffet, Big Ten Network at BTN, Rick Pizzo. And and that's a thousand percent it is you're not on the same page with your staff because after practice yesterday, Coach Lubick, I mean, he, he answered every question. They weren't nasty or, or pointed. They were just, hey, man, what's going on? with the game planning, you know, the gist there. And he's like, no, we, we had a play sheet for, for odd front. We had a play sheet for even front. And, you know, in 33 games as head coach, you've gone up against odd and even fronts. Your offense is going to be your offense. The identity part is frustrating, Rick, for Nebraska fans. You hear about downhill, you buy in, and that's a talking point that, hey, Nebraska is going to be a, a downhill run game. And and they they didn't stick with it. They they abandoned it. I know they got down by three touchdowns, but you you just weren't patient enough with it uh, compared to Illinois. They were getting two three yards a crack, and they had a backup quarterback in, and good old Art did what he's great at, and that's some play action. Nebraska was just a mess, and to admit that half the playbook got tossed out because you weren't prepared is is yeah. not is not acceptable. And you had five weeks to get ready for this thing. It's not acceptable, but there's also right to execution. And you brought that up. And listen, at the end of the day, what do you have? You have a really good dual-threat quarterback. And I understand that you don't have a guy in the backfield that you feel like can be 
probably your guy or a game breaker, and you don't have a ton on the outsides, but you have really good tight ends. And the funny thing is, Nebraska and Illinois, in a sense, take Adrian Martinez away. They're kind of similar, right? Mm-hmm. You have strength on the O-line, you have strength of the tight end, but you lost a ton at wide receiver. And so what do you do? Illinois did exactly what you need to do, and you brought it up. Zinkowski comes in, he had the one deep pass to do spam. But other than that, he wasn't necessarily threatening the edge. He wasn't necessarily going downfield. They were setting up play action, utilizing the tight end. The Luke Ford touchdown is the perfect example. And they were doing that without any real damage to the Nebraska defensive line. Epstein had that one long run. Other than that, there was really nothing. So Illinois did stick with its game plan because they believed it would work. And Nebraska had to get away from his game plan. Why? Partially because of that fumble by Adrian late in the first half. I know everybody wants to talk about the interception negated mm-hmm. as the biggest play of the game. I make the argument that it's that Martinez turnover because it gives Illinois the momentum. And I think it makes everybody on that sideline, the Nebraska star- sideline, thinking, here we go again. The turnovers that we can't have, especially by the guy that we can't have making them. No, that's it. And then... Let's go a step further with an energy zap. You you get a you know a bonus as not only do you scoop and score, and you're up seven instead of tied. You get the football back, and then you go eight minutes, and then really put the screws to Nebraska down two scores, and the yep. the the game plan further gets punted for some hurry up. Let's score quick. Rick Pizzo's with us. Hail Varsity Radio, Big Ten Network, talking Nebraska, Illinois. I think uh, Bielema will be good at Illinois. I think he's a, a smart coach, a good coach, and Illinois is kind of that, uh, that untapped potential with uh, the, the talent they've brought in year in and year out. I'm not saying that they've underachieved, but Maybe they can become a you know a perennial bowl team, just another tough coach to try and win against in the West. I look at Scott Frost and the the impact of of this loss and the fan base and just the pressure and really Adrian. I want to go to Adrian for a second because he is he's good enough to to kill you and he's good enough to 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 make those plays. But there's also so much on his plate, Rick that. There's just not help right now, not that there can't be more help as, as guys get better around him, but they ask him to do so much, and it, it really just doesn't seem like a, a sound plan because you need help with this heavy lifting, and more times than not, uh, Adrian hasn't had me throughout his career. Yeah, that's very true, and I think this year, especially with no Wandale, with no other breaker, and I hear my dog Otto agreeing with me, <laughs> without Wandale, I, I think then he does a little bit of extra pressure, and I think that fumble put a ton of extra pressure on him, because he is thinking to himself, and he is more aware than anybody else on that team, that he has to be the best player on the team, and he has to be the best player on this team every play of every game. Mm-hmm. That is a lot of pressure to put on a young man. And listen, I think, and I want to make this remarkably clear, I think Scott Frost is a really good football coach. I think he's a really good play caller. And I know that folks have maybe started to weigh on those thoughts a little bit based on the results, but I think that's an accurate statement. At the end of the day, your players and the guys that you recruit have to execute your game plan if you are going to be successful. Adrian will be the first guy to tell you he did not execute that game plan on Saturday. Mm. 100%. What was he, 50% completion percentage? He had the one big run. He has to be more accurate. 
he made some good decisions in getting rid of the ball, but he also got away with at least a couple of throws that could have easily been picked. Listen, those are mistakes you cannot make in your fourth year, especially when you know you are the guy. I'm not trying to pile it all on the young man. Some of it does go on the coaching staff. But at the end of the day, the plays can only be called from the sidelines. They have to be executed in between the white lines. Rick Pizzo's with us. Execution's on the kids. It's also on the coaches to, to have the right guy to execute. And it's chicken or egg. I, I totally get you, though. I mean, it's not all great play call. Uh, what, you, you missed the throw? <laughs> I mean, it, I, it's it, not one way or the other, right? Yeah. All the blame doesn't go to the coaches. All the blame doesn't go to the kids. When you have success, it's the same way. The success has to be spread as well. The problem is the comment that Scott made post-game about it being the same movie. Hmm. If they had lost in a different way if they had lost because Illinois bludgeoned them and Nebraska didn't have any turnovers and they just weren't good enough on the lines to match up that's one thing if Illinois had beaten them because somebody goes for a career game then that's a different thing but the fact that it was as Scott said in his own words same movie that is the biggest issue with the loss Rick Pizzo's with us. Rick, a couple more minutes, and I know it's uh, – got to ask you before we get into the Big Ten slate, how is Otto at fetch? Gertie, the German shepherd, that's her thing, man. It's either, If you're in the Lazy Boy, she wants to play fetch. If you're out back having a beer, she wants to play fetch. She's remarkably athletic, so our German shepherds is, is our fetch dog, and, and the, the Labradoodle's 450 pounds, and she just watches. Otto sounds like he, he loves playing ball with Dad. He is, Otto is, if he were a high schooler right now, a high school senior, he would be a five-star athlete as far as the recruiting <laughs> services are concerned. I throw the ball. If the ball is eight feet in the air, Otto goes eight feet up to get it. The greatest trick that I've taught him in the entire four and a half years of his life is that when we are out back and I am sitting in my chair next to the grill enjoying an adult beverage, he knows that if he wants to chase the ball, the ball has to be delivered directly into my lap, not dropped at my feet, not five feet away. It needs to be right next to my left hand because my right hand is usually around a glass of Knob Creek, mm. and I need to be close enough to the grill, and he understands. Trust me. He is a guy that gets. When I call the plays, he knows how to execute. That's pretty good. Good for Otto. Let's uh, shift over to some football Thursday. Ohio State at, at Minnesota. Coach Fleck does a great job with uh, the Gophers. Ohio State is just disgustingly loaded. Uh, yeah. Is this thing going to be tight, or is it just too much Ohio State? No, man. I, I think this could be a really tight game. I, I don't think it's a shock if Minnesota wins. I know everybody is chalk, wow. chalk Ohio State because of what they've done. I don't think it's a shock if Minnesota wins. Hear me out. You have a quarterback for Ohio State. I know he's a highly talented recruit in C.J. Stroud. He's never thrown a college pass. Okay? Master Teague has been good but he has been somewhat inconsistent in the backfield. Ohio State has the entire linebacking core and part of their secondary to replace from a year ago. Then you look at Minnesota. Tanner Morgan, two years ago, all-Big Ten performer. Mohamed Ibrahim, in my estimation, one of the best running backs in the country. P.J. Fleck believes all five of his starting offensive linemen will be NFL players. Our training camp crew was there a month ago and said that their depth on the defensive line is better than it's ever been before since they started that tour some 15 years ago. You had all those things together, a sellout crowd on a Thursday night at home. Man, I got to tell you, this is a game that I think sets the tone. I know it's week one. I know it's Thursday of week one. It's the second day of September. I think this game sets the tone 
for the favorites in both the East and the West because I think Minnesota is a slight favorite in the West over Wisconsin and Iowa. Hmm. No, it could could set up Minnesota something fierce. Meanwhile, as we look at Saturday, Wisconsin, Penn State, this thing, you know, you're not messing around. You're opening up with uh, with kind of your co-favorite in the East and uh, a lot of people's pick in the West. And Penn State's been really, really good on the road for the most part against some of the West powers, Rick. They've done well, but this might be a little bit too much to ask. I know it's an early kickoff, so some red beers are in store in Madtown as as uh, Coach Franklin and company invade. Uh, low line there. What's your take on this here? That's a, that's a big ask to go in at Wisconsin out of the gate, isn't it? It is, and i got to tell you, Penn State is an unknown, almost a virtual unknown. Now, Sean Clifford is going to be the guy, and Jahan Dotson's outstanding on the outside. But remember the running backs last year? You had injuries. You had guys retiring because of medical conditions. Pat Fryermuth, the outstanding tight end left. You lost a ton defensively. I think they'll really miss Jason Owe in the middle. Mm-hmm. So you have all this change at Penn State, and then yet you look at their roster and you see – all the guys that Franklin believes in are somewhat younger guys. Now, remember, you can't really look at just the eligibility this year because of the COVID year. Freshmen could be sophomores. In reality, sophomores could be juniors based on how the schools do it. But then you look at Wisconsin on the flip side, Chris. Seven of their eight top tacklers from last year are back, including Jack Sanborn, who I think is an all-American caliber linebacker. To me, for Wisconsin, it's all about Graham Mertz. If we see the Graham Mertz or even close to the Graham Mertz that we saw in week one, his coming out party last year when he just lit up Illinois, then Wisconsin could easily win the West and potentially challenge for the Big Ten title. Now, if he's inconsistent, they have a transfer from Clemson, kind of an unknown guy in Chesma Lucy running the rock, and obviously that's always been the bell cow for Wisconsin. So can he be that guy? This is interesting to me because there's as many questions with these two teams as there are with any other team that we think could potentially contend for their respective division title. Rick, we'll get you out of here on this. Indiana, Iowa, you're going to be in Iowa City. What an opener. Iowa, incredible program and uh, a lot back. Indiana, a magic season, a, a better than where they got placed in the bowl setup season. Yep. But their schedule's way tougher this year. But, man, they've got to have that confidence. This is going to be crazy in Iowa City. Yeah, they have a brutal schedule, but I think they're built to handle it, Chris. I really like this Indiana team. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of Tom Allen. Mm-hmm. He says Michael Penix Jr. is 100%. If Michael Penix Jr. is 100%, he's as good as any quarterback in the Big Ten. Now, they do have question marks at running back because Stevie Scott is gone, and they decided to go with USC transfer Carr as their starter, so you're not sure there. But they're loaded on the outside. Ty Freifogel is going to be a terrific receiver this year for them. Defensively, Micah McFadden returns, all-American caliber linebacker. I mean, they are deep. They are talented. And if Penix is as good as we think he can be, Indiana is going to be one of the greatest stories in college football this year. This is not going to be this, like, oh, Tom Allen had a two-year run, and now they're done, and they're back to being a basketball school. I just don't believe that's the case. And all that being said, my friend, you've seen enough games at Kinnick Stadium to know that is a brutal place to play and a tough place to win. And think about that crowd, how thirsty they will be, both literally and figuratively, after not watching football all of last year. Oh, my goodness. I, I don't anticipate any chance I'm able to get out of there on Saturday night. I think the game ends at like 7.30. I said, give me a hotel on Saturday night because there's no chance I'm trying to get through whatever maelstrom I see after that game. It's going to be awesome. 
Well, Rick, we'll be watching, and thanks for making time with a little buffet uh, hit. Uh, Rick Pizzo, Big Ten Buffet. Rick, we'll, we'll catch up again soon. Take care, man, and have a great weekend. Thanks, Chris. You too, Otto says uh, enjoy the weekend of football. All-State, two-year starter, and rush in for the big run, and NFL vet. Is Dudeness or uh, Duder or uh, you know, El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. It's Blackshirt Jay Moore with Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for Blackshirt Husker NFL or Jay Moore. You see him on Big Red Wrap Up. Jay, uh, a, a tough uh, season opener for Nebraska. They fall to Illinois. And uh, as you look back, as, you, <clears throat> as you've reviewed, man, uh, I guess kind of the same old, same old. What? What did you think going in, and, and what do you think now as uh, we're, we're, yeah. we're, we're removed from it? Yeah, well, I thought Nebraska was going to play well. I really did. Uh, or, uh, you know, and just kind of, I thought it was going to be a different, you know, song and dance and uh, story, but unfortunately it wasn't, you know. And, you know, the defense came out, and, you know, they I thought they played well enough. They played well enough to win that football game. They kind of really played physical. You know, obviously they – had a couple mistakes, and that's going to happen. I mean, you thought you knew they were going to be like you know a top ten defense in the nation by any means, but you know it was going to be serviceable, and they're going to be able to you know get off the field they need to, maybe cause some turnovers, and get the ball back into an offense where you have a four year quarterback and you know better better talent and experience on the on the wideouts and uh, and then more experience off the line. But you know you just you just see the same mistakes happening. You know it's it's. You know, mistakes are going to happen, right? We just know, I mean, playing a perfect game is, is, is really tough. You know, the mistakes are going to come. But for some reason, this team just makes the mistakes at the, just the wrong kind. You know, it's uh, roughing the passer on an interception. It's filling a punt inside of the freaking one-yard line, you know, and it's, and it's fumbling before, you know, before you go in the half and they scoop and score, you know. And even if they don't scoop and score, you know, that's, that game is, that momentum is so much different um, how that plays out. So it's, it's just they can't get out of their own way, you know. It's, it, it seems like when they do something really well or make a, a play, move the ball, then they kind of stall in the red zone, and that kind of blocks momentum. And then they do get some points on the board, and then maybe the defense comes out and, you know, gives a big drive or special teams as an issue. They just can't put it all together for some reason. And um, it's puzzling, and I'm sure it's, it's driving the coaches up in the second floor of the stadium crazy, you know. And uh, I, don't know, I don't know how they get it fixed. I mean, we're going to year four, and, it just seems like this is the same mistakes that not only with, with Frost, just kind of seems like with Riley and, and Pliny and, you know, and back in with my time with, with Coach Callahan, it just, it just seems like um, in some of the bigger moments or times you kind of are able to capitalize and uh, you're just, you just can't quite do it. You make some mistakes. and uh, But now now it's just it's happening, you know, back with Callahan and, and, and Pliny, you know, it's, it was in the big games against a good team, you know, the – you know, the Oklahomas and the Texases and the Wisconsin's and, you know, Michigan State and stuff like that. Now it's these are happening as teams you should beat. You know, Nebraska should beat Illinois, in my opinion. But they keep making mistakes and, and given teams who are, I feel like they are, I mean, maybe I have Homer glasses on or whatever it is, but I, I, I feel like Nebraska is a better football team in Illinois. Um, and if they make mistakes and you, you keep um, – teams in it that they shouldn't be in it you give them hope and you, they get to them and boom all of a sudden 
you're kind of you're on the downfall. You're you're in the, you're, in the, you're running down the you know the hill and you can't you can't uh, you can't keep up and you just kind of spiral out of control. So I just love to see him just come out and play a clean game just for once. I mean, you're not gonna play for every game. I mean, he's still gonna miss some throws. You're probably have some drops, you know. But you know, Colt might miss a you know hopefully no more at PATs, but you know he might miss a long field goal. But you know, it's the it's the killer. It's the penalties after a big play, a big run, a big catch, an interception, whatever it is, and then. You know, if you do make a turnover, you know, God forbid they take it up a run. It just it just seems like we can't get the right bounces at times. So um, I, I just I don't I don't know where it starts. I, I just don't know in year four what what could possibly change or whatever it is. So hopefully, you know, they could start getting the momentum going here this weekend for them. Jay Moore's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. I mean, you, you've got the trifecta here. You get out coached, you get out executed, and uh, to your point, Nebraska really wasn't out talented. And it's one thing if you get out talented and the better team wins, but Nebraska's compiling losses where they're they're out coached or, or they're out executed, and it's a lot of self harm. So Jay, a thought here: you played with Coach Austin. Uh, we heard some some great things about the O line, and I think Greg's pretty cautious. He's not one to just hand out compliments or or or, or blow smoke. But the thought was: is is the O line's going to be better? It wasn't. There was no downhill run game established. That compounded with making Nebraska say, Adrian, go win it for us, man. And that isn't necessarily fair to him. And that's been the same story as well, where Adrian is your offense and uh, he'll do some good, but but sometimes things around him break down and and he needs help. Can the O-line get better or do you think they're going to be a, a work in progress all year? No, they better get better. And I think it's, it's a two-way shoot, the old line, right? I mean, um, you know, we had Jeremiah Searles on last time to be able to wrap up. He made, a, he made a very good point that going to games, they're like, hey, we're going to run the ball, we're going to run the ball. But then all of a sudden you start struggling to run the ball. And the coaches just can't, you can't try to, you know, bang your head against a brick wall or, or keep trying to, you know, fit a square peg in a round hole. Like, right, you got to move on. Like, they have to have trust in that old line. So um, I think the trust was, um, unfortunately, uh, went went away a little too quickly against Illinois, but they got to they got to be able to establish it. And I, I, it's got to start practice. It's got to start Monday to Friday. They have to get after it. They have to come determined. I mean, offensive linemen, you want to run the ball. You want to be able to, you know, get up there on the line and say, "Hey, we're running power right here, and we're going to tell you." And you know, and even if you know where it's going, you still can't stop it. Um, so they got to get eventually get to that point. But it's just it's whether it was the run blocking or. Um, you know, the, the pass pro, there was sloppy against games. Um, they just didn't look very physical. You know, it's just they look, you know, like they're catching everything. And, and that, that could be a practice deal. They, I don't know if they're getting after it in practice well enough. I, I, I don't know. I'm not there watching, uh, on, you know, in the morning to see what, exactly what's going on. But uh, it's got to get better. Uh, and you can, you can put a lot of blame on uh, Adrian and, and maybe the wide receiver is not getting open enough or Adrian, you know, Overthrowing guys and not getting the run game going. This offense is going to go with this offensive line. That's just football. Period. If you want a good offense, you got to have a good offensive line, and they got to be physical. They got to they got to accept their roles and, and, and execute their their job and, and win their one on one battles and, and work with each other as five guys. And um, unfortunately, you just didn't see that, and that was kind of disappointing to see because I thought that was that could be a spark uh, within this offense. We have guys that have played as many. Nazism. So it's it, hopefully it's, uh, it gets cleaned up. It needs to get cleaned up quick. Otherwise, we're going to have another long season with, with piss-poor offensive play because offensive line can't get it done. 
Jay Moore's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Jay, on the flip side of things, the defensive line, I thought they did, for the most part, a pretty good job stopping the, uh, the ball between the tackles. Uh, there were a, a few drives where uh, it looked like, I'm not sure if they were tired or if the momentum was just against them, that uh, they struggled. But for the most part in the game, I thought they did a pretty good job stopping the run. Uh, would you agree with that assessment? And, uh, and uh, just uh, the defense as a whole, uh, I know they gave up 30 points, but how would you rate their performance? I thought they played well. I thought... You know, the the disappointing thing was that first drive after the uh, end of the second half. You know, they came out a little sluggish, and, you know, obviously the momentum completely changed in that football game with the scoop of score before half. Um, but I thought I thought the guys played fast, they played physical. You know, they need to do a better job of setting the edge on some of those outside run plays. I think, you know, Garrett Nelson and played really well rushing the passer, but sometimes he let that edge up a little too quickly and came inside. He needs to be better on setting that thing and make, you know, keep it contained and, and funneling everything back to your help. Uh, but, you know, the, the effort, the physicality, you know, there was mistakes made. It was, it's always going to happen in game one. But overall, I thought their ability to get off the ball, get off some blocks and make some plays and, and play, you know, in, in the backfield, that was really good. And that's kind of what we expected, right? And, you know, that's I was, I was pretty happy with what they had. Like I said, the, the only disappointing thing was just that drive, you know, coming after the, after the second half. That was probably the most disappointing thing. But, you know, they made turnovers. I mean, uh, you know, get obviously you had the pick that gets called back, but you they had the, the forced fumble there in the second quarter. You know, and they you know they made some good things. They got the, got the quarterback. You know, got some sacks, brought some pressure. So you know, uh, first game against you know a, a decent a decent offense at best in Illinois. Um, I'll, I'll take that. I just you know you got to get some help from the other side of the football. Jay, a few more minutes here. Jay Moore's with us. Big Red Wrap Up Husker NFLer. And uh, Blackshirt, Jay, a thought here with this coaching staff as you hear post-game comments, as you hear press conference moments, and then even coaches after practice this week, do, do you feel like everyone's on the same page? It just sounds like there's different messaging. Yeah, it does seem a little dysfunctional at times on that, on that side of things. You know, I mean, I am still a little perplexed that in this day and age and you know, that you're completely thrown off when a team comes out, you know, and a, you're expecting a 3-4 front, but they come out in a 4-3 front. I mean, it should be pretty easy to be able to, I mean, that's basically football. It's not like they're coming out in a bear front or I think, you know, or something completely exotic, I mean, where everyone's standing up. But, I mean, that's, that was a little puzzling. Um, yeah, I just think, it, I mean, so I think there's a little frustration happening, you know, and, and but I think just, Everyone's just got to go on the same page. And I, I know that's, that's, it, it's not as easy sometimes as it, it, it sounds like, but, I mean, the staff's been together for a while, and um, a little disappointing that it does sound a little chaotic at time. And um, hey, Listen, I mean, they better figure it out, right? I mean, <laughs> otherwise you have some real uncomfortable conversations, you know, at the end of the season. So uh, get on the same page, man, and just try to get this thing going to where it needs to go. I mean, what's... I mean, you got to sell out as a staff. I mean, if you want this thing to go and, and get back right, I mean, you got to sell out. I mean, you got to get over egos. You got to get over um, control issues. You got to you got to let things go. I mean, you got to you got to be completely unselfish um, in in saying, "Hey, I'm willing to give up this. I'm willing to take over this. I'm willing. Hey, I need your help on this. This would get this thing to where it needs to go." And hopefully, those conversations have already been had and and to get this thing to where it, where it should be at. Mm-hmm. 
but that's that's I'm not I'm not there, and you know, and um, this is big time college football, and I, you <laughs> coaches have the egos, and and they want control and and control on certain things, so it could hopefully you know. A lot of these guys, you know, aren't going to be coaching in Nebraska forever. They're trying to parlay this into a different, you know, a bigger job. So, you know, they want to be able to put their mark on it as well. So that's that's a tough. Those are tough conversations. But hopefully, the selfishness, the egos, can be put aside and and say, hey, this is what it's going to take. Then I'm willing to do whatever to make sure, you know, we're, you know, you know, winning out this, you know, or eight and four, seven and five, six and six, whatever the hell it may be, right? Because it doesn't look very promising all of a sudden after this first loss. So. Get on the same page and, and put all this crap aside and and uh, get after it a little bit. Jay will be watching Tuesday for Big Red Wrap Up uh, with uh, Nebraska Fordham. Thanks for uh, jumping on with us. Always great to chat with you, bud. Yep, you got it. Thanks, fellas. Good stuff from Blackshirt Husker, NFLer, and uh, co host Big Red Wrap Up, Jay Moore. Loved hearing from Rick Pizzo to get our two kicked off. Uh, a jock doc on the way. We'll wind down a Wednesday. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, pre-teen Swedish boy. Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday. Lincoln Orthopedic Center, Dr. Doug Tavis with us. Dr. Doug, welcome uh, into September. How you doing? Not too bad, Chris. How are you doing today? Doing a lot better than Braves uh, second baseman Ozzie Albies. <laughs> My yeah. Lord, he uh, fouled one off that left knee in the batter's box. He's a lefty. He's an all-star and one of the top hitters for, uh, for Atlanta who's having a great season. And teammates had to carry him off. Man, this happened in the fifth inning. Yeah, these things happen so fast that, you know, it's almost a, literally a blink of an eye and you go, oh, wait a minute, what just what, what just happened there? The guy's laying down at the plate, you know. But uh, things can uh, things can happen very quickly when the ball fouls off that bat and and uh, uh, the guys can take a pretty good shot, which is what happened on them. Well, I look at Albies and, and he's got the uh, the outside elbow uh protector you know some some armor so to speak and sure. i always kind of made kind of made fun of junior for wearing the uh, the barry bonds shin protector and then the the elbow guard but uh i tell you what albies was wishing he had a knee brace or something because this thing looks uh pretty nasty now x-rays were negative dr doug but that doesn't mean that albies is out of the woods at all you've experienced this before haven't you dr doug yeah, this is um, kind of an unusual scenario, but uh, we had one of our uh, Lincoln Salt Dogs players that uh, had uh, essentially the identical injury, um, and uh, the ball uh, comes down and hits him in the uh, front corner of his leg bone just below the knee. And same thing, had to be carted off the field, um, just couldn't bear weight on the thing, x-rays were fine. Um, I, uh, because he doesn't get better over the course of uh, about, oh, I think it was 10 days or so, we do a follow-up x-ray on him, and we find that he's got a hairline fracture going through the bone. And uh, it, it just goes to show the degree of force that, you know, occurs here. You know, we talk about exit velocities, you know, and stuff when, when guys are hitting home runs and stuff. We're kind of 
uh, don't remember how much velocity and force is all happening right there around the plate, you know, with the ball coming in or a ball being tipped off of a bat. And uh, it can be very, very significant. So basically, it's like a karate chop across the bone. Mm. And um, we may find out more, you know, in the the coming weeks about uh, whether or not he's going to be able to get back out on this thing. Dr. Doug Davis with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. Ozzie Albies, the standout for Atlanta. We're talking foul ball off of his knee, x-rays negative. So what is happening right now with Ozzie? Is it ice? Is it heat? Is it uh, anti-inflammatory? I mean, what's what's kind of the timeline to to re-examine this? Yeah, sure. They're gonna you know they're gonna pull out all the stops that they can to kind of get him feeling better with the working assumption that he's got you know a deep bruise, a bruise that goes into the bone, and um, they'll probably let him call his own shot about how much weight he puts on it. So they'll keep him on crutches until he feels like he can bear the weight against it. But um, um, when you're dealing with uh, when you're dealing with a contusion like that, there's a variety of different things that you can do with it. You can uh, certainly do the icing. Uh, there are uh, times where we can do uh, some uh, cryotherapy nerve blocks, which are uh, sort of where you where you freeze the nerves a bit to uh, decrease the pain. Uh, acupuncture can work pretty well in a situation uh, where there's a nerve uh, or excuse me, a, a contusion like that. Um, and of course, they're going to keep his knee moving because the last thing we want to do is have him free up or freeze up on the knee. Um, but from a timeline perspective, you know, if he's not able to bear weight over the course of the next week, they'll definitely be re-X-raying or getting an MRI scan on him. With the salt dogs injury that you examined and treated. When a player fouled off a, a pitch on his knee, just how how difficult is that to tell from X-ray when we talk hairline fractures? Yeah, the initial X-ray you can't you, you just can't see anything at all. Um, you don't you don't recognize any kind of an injury. And what happens with a fracture, uh, uh, and you know, you, sometimes you'll hear about this, where somebody goes to the emergency room and they do an X-ray and you can't see a fracture, and then it shows up you know, a little later. Well, the reason for that is because uh, the first thing the body does to heal up a fracture is that it absorbs the bone right at the edge of the fracture, like for a millimeter or so around the fracture, and that fracture line then becomes visible on the x-ray because the body has absorbed that little bit of bone because that bone is technically dead bone to the body and it needs to be replaced with living bone to heal the fracture. And so that's kind of how that works. So, uh, you, you don't see anything and then a week later, here's, a, here's a, a crack running across the bone that you could not see on an initial x-ray. Now, on an MRI scan, you'd be able to tell that there was uh, quite a bit of bleeding within the bone, and you might get a you might get a sense that yeah, okay, this is a bigger injury than what we thought it was, um, and so the MRI might be moved up uh, somewhat early. But um, you know, most of the time, these are just going to be contusions. The tip off is going to be if you can't bear weight on it, then they're going to do further investigation. Dr. Doug Davis with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. Ozzy Albies, the second baseman for Atlanta, fouled off that uh, that pitch that clipped his knee, and X-rays negative right now. As I look at Albies and, and his stance, kind of an, a little bit of an open stance where you have that 
that back leg, that back knee really kind of sticking out uh, is where he, he grazed himself. But that's also his back plant leg. Uh, with with tenderness and with this injury, is that something that can linger and affect his power, affect his pop, so to speak, in the box? Yeah, so, you know, if it's a contusion, I don't think it'll be a big issue other than, than uh, you know, they'll figure out a way to pat him up like you do with Junior. And um, um, if it turns out to be something strange like we had with that player with the salt dogs, um, then he's going to be out probably. He will be out for the rest of the year if it turns out to be that hairline fracture across there because if that's the case, it, will not, it won't heal fast enough for him to be able to bear that weight against it and twist the way he has to twist, you know, uh, with full weight against that um, on that back leg. So, um, you know, it, it's very unlikely that it would turn out to be a fracture. But if it does, it's going to be the end of the season for him. When it comes to, to speed, is, is there going to be some lingering pain, even if he's cleared and ready to go? I mean, is this going to going to hamper his speed? I, I ask that because he's got a rare combination of power and speed where he leads baseball in extra base hits. So even if it's not going out of the yard, it's finding its way to the gap, and he's got enough giddy-up to get to second or third. Yeah, he'll probably, again, with a contusion, he'll probably be – uh, fine, and, you know. I don't think you'll see him miss anything in terms of his speed there. Um, honestly, it may be more of an issue of just will he position that leg in harm's way sure. to be able to continue to, you know, um, uh, stroke the ball the way that he's used to doing it, or is he going to have? Is there going to be a little bit of a mental block with sure. that? And uh, that that may be the bigger issue. Dr. Doug Tavis with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. Dr. Doug, thanks for a few minutes today. You bet. Get more padding for your son. <laughs> Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time on a Wednesday. We are loaded up today and, and back at it tomorrow. So if you missed any part of the show, the podcast, Hail Varsity Radio, will be uploaded momentarily. Also, some of the two-minute drill SoundCloud moments picked out by Elijah Herbal. Uh, good stuff from Mike Babcock, Rick Pizzo, and Jay Moore. Tomorrow on the show, another Searles of Wisdom moment. Uh, Jeremiah Searles, our favorite Viking, Husker, Buffalo Bill, Charger, going to be with us. Uh, it is Barney time. Gary Barnett with us. Uh, Brandon Vogel uh, will talk some ball with us. And then the Pride of Chicago, Danny Burke, Burke's Best Bets. Friday, again, we are at the Single Barrel, the Single Barrel now inside the graduate, we love doing shows inside the graduate. We are so jacked, man, to be doing uh, shows with single barrel, uh, amazing food, and yes, incredible bourbon. I mean, that is that is a, a place in heaven for me. Uh, when I can, do I want the uh, do I want the the thick bone in steak? Do I want the prime rib? I I was there. I took Duda at state tournament time, uh, and. I had the mother of all bone-in pork chops. Mm. And me and pork, I mean, it's 
just a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, my only thing you're, you're, is... You're just you're pausing uncomfortably. Well, it's just I'm too broke to hit steakhouses usually and go and order the steak. I'll go, Brother, Ooh. I'm going to call in my debt someday, <laughs> and I'm going to say, Elijah, we're going to breakfast at the Single Barrel. We're going to go lunch at the Single Barrel. We're going to do dinner at the Single Barrel. <laughs> And I'm going to see uh, Elijah standing outside of Walmart, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Anything helps. With a pair of Air Jordans on saying, give me money. <laughs> Need to buy steaks. Anything helps. <laughs> oh, boss from illegal gambling operation. Kidding. Uh, but no. Hey, Fordham, well, if you're coming into town, wherever you hear us across the state, or you're uh, in Lincoln, come see us four to six. Get a bourbon. Get a drink. Get a beer. Get a steak, get a pork chop, uh, dust off your golf ability with the uh, the Top Golf Suites, and big day, man. Cranach's going to be uh, riding shotgun. Oh wow, oh, that's gonna be fun. Uh, and there there is going to be a Bill Dolman in person sighting. It, it just sounds like like the the best of like every aspect of this show. We're getting Cranach in. We're getting Bill Dolman in on headset. There's going to be steaks. And we're working be on golf, Matt like- Millen too on site. So. I mean, the only thing that's missing is Searles, but we got Searles tomorrow. Yeah, uh, excited I, I think for him. It's, it's funny uh, how you introduced him because uh, you made sure nobody could disagree with you. It's our favorite ex-Husker who is also on the Vikings and who is also on the Bills and who is also on the Chargers. So he's my favorite offensive lineman. There it is. There, I mean, there was that one time whenever uh, you called him our favorite uh, ex-Husker, and I said, really? I don't see Rex Burkhead in there, and he just about killed me. Like, I have never seen him. <laughs> well, and he was, he was across the window from you. Like, he got up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He took the door off, so it's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. He was saw him at the press conference, and he's like, "So how was the drive back? I was back by seven p.m." <laughs> like, thank you for that. Thank you for that. We should know. Uh, I I saw today the uh, the line has released from Vegas from the Nebraska Fordham game, which was a little. It, it had been taking him a while to come out with it, and <laughs> I believe the Huskers are favored by like forty. That, that was what I checked. It may have moved since this morning, but it was a Husker. Can, I, can I be a favorite. jerk for two more minutes these two hours? They, win or, they better win by 80. I want to see the backups in like the whole second half. I need to see Harburg third quarter, please. But again, we're not rooting. Tomorrow, 4 o'clock, Hale Varsity. Thanks for tuning in. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery.